politics, culture, chaos. It's time to make sense of it all. It's time to have a little fun. This is your afternoon dose of sanity. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. Well, look at that. John Durham sending out some new subpoenas in the Russia probe. Look at that. Special counsel John Durham is alive and well after all. Sending out new subpoenas for documents, according to CNN, to uh, one of the law firms with ties to Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign. Very interesting. The plot thickens on this Thursday afternoon. How are you? Welcome to the podcast. How's your day going today? I know what you're asking. I know the question. Rich, will it be a Friday podcast? All right, fair enough. It's a good question. I've tried. I really have. I've tried. I've tried. I mean, you had to remember, Reagan had a stinky diaper. Then I had a flat tire. I did. Then I, w- I was admitted to the hospital with diverticulitis. Went to the ER on a Friday afternoon. And then they admitted me. So what was I going to do? My daughter had a diaper. She flung it over her head. I had to give her an emergency bath. I had a flat tire. I was stranded. I had to wait for the tow truck. So it turns out that, um, yeah, I, they were making fun of me yesterday uh, at work about this. The Scope Brothers, as they're known. Dave Skopinich and Tom Skopinich busting my chops and saying that I sounded like John Belushi at the end of Blues Brothers, which gives us an excuse to play that clip from Blues Brothers. And by the way, little birdie tells me it might just be the mystery movie clip tomorrow. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not I'm not part of no, nothing to do with it. That's not me on the show. That's all millennial. But um, it wasn't my fault that I didn't do a podcast. It really wasn't. It wasn't my fault. I tried. I tried to do one last Friday. I tried to do one the Friday before that. And I tried to do one the Friday before that. I did. I did. I really did. It wasn't my fault. You miserable slug. You think you can talk your way out of this? You betrayed me. No, I didn't. Honest. Uh, I ran out of gas. I had a flat tire. I, I didn't have enough money for cab fare. My touch didn't come back from the cleaners. An old friend came in from out of town. Someone stole my car. There was an earthquake, a terrible flood, locust. It wasn't my fault, I swear to God. See, locust, locust happened to me too. And they're probably, locust are going to happen to me tomorrow afternoon. So don't blame me. All right, I'm doing my best, okay? I'm doing my best. Now, here's where things are uh, in the world of D.C. politics today. Still no deal necessarily on what's going on with um, Joe Manchin cinema and all that, or Sin Enema, as the Lesser Cuomo joked about today, if you can call that a joke, the lesser joke from the Lesser Cuomo. Uh, that was, I may have to replay that for you. What, what, a, what a terrible moment that was. But by the way, there seems to still be no deal. Joe Manchin says the highest he'll go is $1.5 trillion. Of course, there's no way that that'll be enough for Democrats. There's no way that they will do that. Not not going to do it. No chance. You know that. Come on. You know that. You th- what, what? You think that that uh, the Democrats are going to go for $1.5 trillion when they wanted $6 trillion originally, then they went down to $3.5 trillion? And now they want to go down to $1.5 trillion? Come on. I don't believe that for a second. Uh, also, now Democrats are defending Margaret Sanger, who was one of the worst racists ever, the founder of, uh, of abortion, Planned Parenthood, not the founder of abortion, but the founder of Planned Parenthood, uh, into eugenics, uh, race cleansing, all this other stuff. Well, well now Representative Khanna, Ro Khanna, Democrat, says unpatriotic people are just spreading false history about her. They're just being racist. Now, apparently not not uh, paying for abortion is racist. I don't know if you knew this or not. That's one of the things that came out of a House hearing today. Uh, Democrats are, are, are just getting more extreme by by the minute. I mean, honestly, they're getting more extreme by the second. It's 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 amazing. Uh, Joe Manchin is the epicenter of everything that's going on in our country right now. And he was asked a lot of questions today. And he said, look, I'm not a liberal. All right. I'm not. This is not who I am. I'm a Democrat. I'm a blue dog Democrat. Not into this whole thing. And it's not good enough for Democrats, obviously. Whatever spending he wants to give them is not good enough because this is a whole group of crazy liberal people. And Joe Manchin is the kind of guy that's going to stand up to them. And they don't like that. They just don't like it. And they're going to make fun of him. They're going to come after his daughter. They're going to bash him on late night TV. They're going to do whatever they have to do. But he's not backing down. 
Jaipal has said that she's happy to. So it sounds like the $1.5 trillion and all the stipulations that you signed on to at the end of July, that's your final offer, and that will not change. First of all, let me make sure. At this, at that point in time, I was not in favor of moving on this type of a piece of legislation. I wasn't trying to be the fly in the ointment at all. I've never been. I've never been a liberal in any way, shape, or the form. There's no one has ever thought I was. I've been governor. I've been state secretary of state. I've been state legislator. I've been a U.S. senator, and I have voted pretty consistently all my whole life. I don't fault any of them who believe that they're much more progressive and much more liberal. God bless them. And all they need to do is we have to elect more, I guess, for them to get theirs, elect more liberals. But don't, I'm not asking them to change. I'm willing to come from zero to one five. How dare you not be a liberal? How dare you not be a liberal? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? So now they're co- they're coming after him with gusto, man. Everything they got, they're coming after him. They are guns blazing. Late night comics. You've got the CNN shows, MSNBC shows. They're making it personal. I mean, it is. It's getting ugly out there. All going after him. They're all going after him. It's pretty amazing to me too. I love it. I love to watch it because I do love a good political civil war. You know what I mean? I do love to watch it, and it's pretty funny. It may lead to another Trump presidency, which, according to uh, Representative Cohen, would lead to uh, the end of America. Uh, Another Trump presidency would end America and our forefathers would be horrified. I would be horrified, too, if I was dead and came back from the dead. I feel like anybody who would be in that position would feel horrified. Speaking of the undead, what did Pelosi say today on the floor of the House when she discussed what's going on with Mitch McConnell? And uh, she had a little quip. Little quip from Shecky Pelosi, the vampiric one, the Speaker of the House, the immortal one who will rip your head off and you won't even know that your head's been ripped off. It's, I believe, what her daughter said. Yeah, she'll rip your head off and you won't even know that it happened. She's just that good. She's just that good. Well, she tried to make a little, uh, a little quip today, and of course, as you know, whenever Nancy Pelosi tries to make a joke, it usually falls flat. But the good news about that is that she keeps trying, which is great. Oh, 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 and. Um, Uh, I should also mention to you, Hitler was invoked today by the Democrats in defending abortion. I kid you not. They dropped Hitler. Yep, yep, nope. Oh, no, Hitler came in there. They they brought up Hitler. They brought up Adolf Hitler today. I'll play that for you in a little bit. But here's here's Shecky Pelosi here. Congress has addressed the debt limit 78 times, as the distinguished chairman mentioned, since 1960. 29 times with a Democrat in the White House, 49 times under Republican She's president. She's been there every time. More recently, since 2011, each because of the seven times that debt limit time. was addressed, Congress did so Washington on did a it. bipartisan basis. This includes three times under the most recent former president when Democrats cooperated. We did so because the full faith and credit of the United States of America cannot be questioned. The Constitution says that. Republicans, and because of all of the consequences that would happen if we did not let the debt ceiling. See, one guy's Republicans' refusal to support so a suspension of the debt limit now is cynical, asleep. hypocritical, and back. downright this dangerous. As Mitch McConnell asleep. himself has said mm-hmm. about the need to address the debt limit, this is what he said last time. Go ahead, what do he say? Don't play Russian roulette with our economy. Quote. Yet that is exactly what he is doing, playing Russian roulette. Interesting that he's playing Russian roulette with our economy. Oh, snap. Get it? Russian roulette. Oh, boom. She's hitting him right where it counts. Russia. Look at her. She's going going negative. Interesting that it's Russian roulette. Oh, man, these people are nuts, I'm telling you. They're really crazy, aren't they? It's just You can just tell the anger that is out there on the left today, everywhere, just absolutely on the left. And where's Biden? Where's the president today? Where's the president any day? Does anyone know where he is? Today he started at 10 a.m. He got his presidential daily brief at 10 a.m., starting it early, you know what I mean? It's starting an early day today. Yeah, real early day, 10 a.m., getting up crack of dawn like a farmer. 
Well, where is he? Jen Snarks was asked that question today. Where is he? Where's the president? Uh, we're open. Uh, he's available. Uh, he's been making calls this morning. Uh, he's open to having visitors. He's open to going places. Uh, but we're going to make those decisions hour by hour. He's open to having visitors. You're the president of the United States. They're, they're making him sound like a patient in a in a nursing home, which, you know, he probably should be, but nevertheless, he is president. He's open to having visitors. He's open to going places. What, what, what is it? Well, we're thinking about taking him on a, uh, to go see the birds later this afternoon to sit on a park bench and throw breadcrumbs at them. We're thinking about it, but we've got to check with his doctor and make sure he can come out. What the hell kind of an answer is that? Well, he's open to having visitors, but we're not sure he's going to remember who they are. So it's we don't want anyone to trigger a, a bad memory or something. And, you know, last time Hunter came in and, you know, he, we don't they brought his artwork and that, that triggered him. And so, so we got to be very careful. That's you don't the president. He's open to having visitors. He's open to going places. No, no, that's Aunt Marge in the home. Aunt Marge is open to going places. Aunt Margie is open to going to, to have visitors. Yes, 100 percent. Yeah, Uncle Louie. Yeah, he's open to it. We're just trying to coordinate a day. You know, the visiting hours are very, very tough these days. And then, of course, he likes to go to the park. But every time he goes to the park, he thinks about his dead wife, who's been dead for 50 years. So it's very, very awkward. Uh, we're open. Uh, he's available. Uh, he's been making calls this morning. Uh, he's open to having visitors. He's open to going places. Uh, but we're going to make those decisions hour by hour. We're going to make those decisions in consultation with his doctor, his nap schedule, uh, his feeding times, and, of course, uh, his medication uh, intervals. Because uh, last time they kept him out too long. We told them to have him back by 2.30, and they got him back at 2.45. And, you know, by then his blood sugar was very, very low. He was very cranky. We had to give him jello right away. It was ugly. It was ugly. So, uh, so no, no, we're, we're, uh, we're, she, Saki sounds like Nurse Ratchet, doesn't she? In One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest, deciding on when the patients can have visitors, deciding on if they can go outside and play in the courtyard. That's amazing. Oh, you really cannot make this up, can you? Because you would think the president would be out there, you know, all the time, not just smiling at baseball games, but actually out there and talking to people. But she goes, he's making phone calls all day. Okay, he's making phone calls, but is he talking to a person on the other end of the schedule, is what I, of the phone? Or is he just picking up? Is my daughter does that. Reagan will pick up. She got a toy phone. She picks up and she goes, da, and she hands me the phone. Is she, da, she's 18 months old. Da, and I pick it up and I go, oh, hello, how oh, high, hi, oh, oh, okay, it's for, Reagan, it's for you, honey. And I give back to her. She goes, dada, and she 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 picks up the phone and holds it. Dada, is that kind of like what's happening with Joe Biden? He's making calls. Who's he talking to? Can we get a transcript of this? Can you tell us what what's being said? Can you just let us know? By the way, Biden's education secretary, Miguel Cordona, does not think you should be a primary What's the word for this now? Hang on. Fairly quick answers here because I want to get to Secretary Becerra. Do you think parents should be in charge of their child's education as the primary stakeholder? I believe parents are important stakeholders, but I also believe primary. educators have a role in determining uh, educational programming. And I think that's going to be a little out of focus, what I think you're going to find across all elements of education. Since they pay the bills, they raise the kids, they probably need to be the primary uh, spokespeople for their own kids' good education. Wow. You shouldn't be the primary stakeholders as parents. As parents. Wow. Um... Pelosi scolded a reporter today named Craig Melvin. Uh, his question was whether or not that reconciliation means the end of her time in Congress. This is amazing to me that he actually asked that question. And there's a lot of different ways to interpret this, obviously. Take a listen. Oh, you? Yes, me. Uh, you, you said this is... Well, I just, I, I just talk, took it off so you could hear me better. Uh, you said this is the culmination of your time in Congress. I mean, are you trying... Culmination means the end of, a, of an experience. You said it, not me. No, but I, of course, the Affordable Care Act was uh, remarkable, and I take some proprietary interest on that. But in terms of finally seeing a time where we can think in a large way about our children, our people with disabilities, our moms. Yeah. I mean, I'm a mom, mom with five children. children. When I was children. when I was young and was raising my children, children. people don't know this Great. is a challenging job, Every even one child or two. I didn't even wash my face some days. What? In fact, I liked it that way. But, <laughs> but the face. fact is, is that we have to, if we're going to be 
really building back better, we have to give women the opportunity to work in the workplace. And that's about child care, home health care, uh, universal pre-K, family medical leave, and like that. And other countries, most developed countries, have that. We don't, we will. And, and that is, e each one of those is something we what? fought over the years for, and now it's coming together in a way that is transformative, not incremental, but transformative to what, uh, um, what we're doing on the, on the infrastructure side of things. They go together very well. And then when we talk about the planet, when I was speaker the first time, climate was my flagship issue. When I came in and President Bush was president and we did not, um, with him we passed the biggest energy bill in the history of our country, the energy bill of 2007. He wanted nuclear, I wanted renewables. We had a big celebration to sign the bill. And, and do you remember that? And by the way, it wasn't enough, right? It, it didn't solve the climate problem. It never solved the climate problem. Things are still worse. The world was going to end then. The world's going to end now. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't enough for them then. They didn't like nuclear power then. Think about it. Nuclear is the safest, safest energy source. That actually works. That actually works. And they didn't want it then. And they fought it then. They had this big energy bill compromise and Bush compromised with them. And was that enough? No, of course not. Never is. It's never enough with them. You give them a little bit, they want more. Always. Always. President Obama used as authorities in that bill for some of his executive orders so that we take it to this place now in this legislation. It's about jobs. Good green jobs Good preeminent jobs. in the world and green technologies people don't want to work. addressing the health issues of clean air clean water for our children nobody wants the, the issues of as i've said drink. to you before about national security security globally where uh, um, migrations occur because of drought and famine and and natural ah, there it is you see you see migrations occur because of climate change so what you're seeing at the border is because of climate change. Migrants are leaving because of floods and locusts and everything else. Uh, by the way, breaking news, Congress has just passed a bill to avoid a government shutdown, one of the called a stopgap measure. Master, so people are competing for habitat and resources and, of course, our moral responsibility for our children. So children. it has Drink. so many, so they have that. And then health care, as I said, the Affordable Care Act. I take great pride and courage of the House Democrats uh, for, and Senate for passing that legislation, and we will strengthen it in this bill. And part of the Affordable Care Act was the expansion of Medicaid, which we will have in this bill. So this is, I mean, it's, it's so much, and, and that's why I said that, yeah. Yeah. The expansion of Medicare. I mean, there's a lot in that, isn't there? When she goes through her legacy as speaker, there's a lot in there. Uh, climate change is the reason why we've got migration issues where people come crossing the southern border, even though uh, I, I would assume that in 2007, when she and Bush had this big thing, that, that would have solved that problem, too. She's admitting this is the biggest expansion of Medicare in, in, in history. This is going to make the stuff that Obama did and Johnson did. I mean, it's going to make it peanuts is really what it's going to make it be. I mean, she's a, she's a, she just went through her entire legacy right there, the entire legacy. And that's what's happening. And she mentions how we get good green jobs. We can't fill the empty vacancies we have right now in this country. We have restaurants that are closing. We have, we have little mom and pop businesses that, that cannot stay open. We have people right now in this country who go out to dinner and they sit there for two hours and then they wind up writing bad reviews about the restaurant. And I've been saying this, it may not be the restaurant's fault. They just may not be able to have workers there. And you please have to be patient with them because they're trying their best. This poor guy the other night went out to dinner and uh, the food, the, you know, it's one of those situations where you're done with the appetizers and then the entrees come out, but the empty, the dirty plates are still there, right? This guy comes out with the, uh, with the entrees, and he's very embarrassed. He's oh, I'm so sorry, because somebody else is supposed to come and take the, the dirty plates away from the appetizers. It's like, I oh, don't worry about it. He goes, oh, I'll be right back. He, this guy ran, get plates and clean the table and get new silverware for us and everything. He's like, oh, Liz, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You know why? Because he knows that this is not his fault, not the restaurant's fault, but diners will take it out on him. And they'll give him less of a tip. I gave him more of a tip. I'm, I'm trying to be as generous as I possibly can now to, to servers and bartenders and people in the service industry. I really am. I really am. Because what happens is that another 
people that were not as nice as me and my wife would have said, well, that's it. I'm, your tip's going down to 15%. And it would have been, why? It's not his fault. But he hustled. He hustled so hard. You know, my heart went out to him. It really did. And my heart, the whole place, it wasn't even packed. They, they, they're, you find this now too. You go on, you make a reservation and you can't get a table and you go in the restaurant and you go, well, I don't understand. There's open tables. They can't, if they sat everybody in that restaurant, they would never be able to serve everybody. They don't have enough people in the cooks. They don't have enough people in the front room. Today, today, a restaurant industry spokesperson was on CNN. The, going on about how bad things are. Listen, listen to this. The restaurant industry is still struggling to recover from the pandemic and is in worse shape now than it was three months ago. 78% of restaurant owners say they have seen a decline in demand because of the Delta variant. That's according to a survey by the National Restaurant Association. Supply chain issues also mean restaurants are paying more for their raw materials for food, and they're dealing with a worker shortage all at the same time. Bingo. The National Restaurant Association said the recovery will continue well into next year and estimates 90,000 restaurants have closed during the pandemic. Imagine that. Imagine that, right? I know. I know. It's uh, it's it's depressing. It's heartbreaking. And this is probably the wrong time for me to quit radio and open Richie's wood-fired pizza restaurant. But it's still my dream. It's still my dream. So the Congress just passed, as I mentioned to you, their stopgap measure on things. Uh, a couple other things I want to mention for you. First of all, as part of this massive, massive, uh, gigantic social welfare orgy spending bill, $80 billion goes to IRS enforcement. IRS enforcement, $80 billion. $80 billion. Well, Democrats are pushing a major expansion of the IRS, giving the tax man unprecedented power to snoop on all your bank accounts in order to pay for their massive social spending agenda. Aisha Hosni is live on Capitol Hill. Aisha, this has been a little bit underreported, a little under the radar, but this is what they want to do. Just a little bit, but I think the emotions are not um, underwhelmed. People are really, um, you know, expressing emotions about it. Obviously, the IRS, it really makes you feel a certain way, right? Well, according to one banking association, they say that this is going to impact literally almost every single financial account in America. It will probably impact you at home as banks are now going to be required to report to the IRS all transactions in and out of above $600. Think about your own uh, financial activity. You probably fall into this. Republicans are enraged by this. Here's Wyoming Senator Cynthia Lummis confronting Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen just this week. Watch this. Do you distrust the American people so much that you need to know when they bought a couch or a cow? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's scary because you may be in the what's known as the gig economy, and, and you now the IRS can be after uh, after uh, grandma's making doilies on Etsy. That's what they do. They sell doilies on Etsy and all kinds of things. But really, I mean, artists make money by selling artwork and and clothes, homemade clothes, soap, little things like that. All kinds of things, right? And that's how they live. This is surviving. It used to be twenty thousand dollars was a threshold. Now it's six hundred bucks. Six hundred bucks. And what I want to know is how far does that go? Because the bank, the banks have to start turning information to the IRS and the IRS is allowed to go into your bank accounts. So if you have a yard sale and you happen to be able to sell, to sell 600 bucks worth of stuff, do you, you technically have to report that all of that is income. Now, people used to get by by having yard sales and obviously just pocketing the cash. That was kind of an American tradition. You drive around, you go to a yard sale, you're paying less for it. They're making money. They're not reporting that income because just two adults just having a private transaction, selling something, a toaster, a couch, whatever it is. But the government is the mafia. And like the government is, I got to wet my beak, right? I got to wet my beak. So how dare you try to sell a homemade doily for $450 and then another doily for $150. See what I did there? Added up to 600 and not tell me about it. I got to get my 25%, my 30%, because I got to pay for all this. I got to pay for all this stuff. But it's so awful to me that they've given the IRS this power. It's pathetic. I have an entire economy of people in this country who just do stuff online, make stuff, homemade stuff. They do, they do, and it's not a lot of money. And and, and, and this is their livelihood. And now the IRS is going to go after them for six. Hundred bucks. 
600 bucks. It's pathetic. And not only that, but giving the IRS more power, being able to go in and snoop into people's bank accounts, we shouldn't be giving the IRS's power. If anything, we should be, we should be drawing back the IRS's power. But Democrats love expanding federal power. They love it. They love, for all their, their, uh, their brav- bravado about defunding police, they're more than happy to increase funding for federal police, federal law enforcement of every stripe and shape, all of it. They are more than happy to keep throwing money, except Border Patrol, except them. They're racist, but obviously. But IRS police, sure, give them more money. They don't want to defund the IRS police. Oh, no, 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 no. They want to give them more power over you. That's what they do. They love doing that. No doubt about it. It's scary. It's a scary prospect. And you heard Cordona today. He doesn't think you should be a stakeholder in your kids' uh, in, in, in your in your kids' education. I mean, this is what's happening in our country right now. The, these whack jobs who are in charge, these whack jobs who are in charge of our country right now, they want to take away your ability as a parent to have any say in your kids' uh, education. They want to give the IRS more power to be able to, to go after you, little little people making six hundred bucks in a transaction, whatever it is. I mean, it's it's sad. It really is. It's really sad. And inside the Democrats, uh, $3.5 trillion tax and spend social welfare orgy spending bill, this is what they actually wrote in here. Ready? Birthing individuals. Uh Uh-huh. Birthing individuals. Birthing people is out now. Birthing individuals is in. So you might be a birthing individual. Understood? We used to call that a, a pregnant woman or a mother, now we call it a birthing individual. Got that? Good. There, there, there you go. I just want to make sure you're keeping score at home if you're playing the home game today. Uh, hey, Jen, uh, we'd like to go visit Uncle Joe. Is, uh, is, he, is he free to, is he, is, he, is he around? We'd like to see him and maybe take him out to the, the park. Maybe kids want to see him, maybe play, play get some pumpkins. Uh, we're open. Uh, he's available. Uh, he's been making calls this morning. Uh, he's open to having visitors. He's open to going places. Uh, but we're going to make those decisions hour by hour. Okay. Well, fair enough. I mean, maybe we could maybe we could take him to the park or something, or you know, just get him get him home in time. Maybe we could. I mean, what time do you need him? He's been making calls this morning. Uh, he's open to having visitors. Great. He's open Great. to going places. Great. Uh, but we're going to make those decisions hour by hour. Okay. No, no, I'm not trying to make you upset. I really, I'm not. I'm not trying to make you upset. We're just trying to plan ahead with the kids and the nap schedule and everything like this. And so, you know, if we could if we could make those decisions now. That would be fantastic. He's been making calls this morning. Uh, he's open to having visitors. He's open to going places. Uh, but we're going to make those decisions hour by hour. No, I, I look, look. I, you're repeating yourself. You're angry. I can, I can feel, I can feel the anger. We just want to see. Him. Uncle Joe, it's not all right. You know what? It's okay. You just call us, and we'll try to we'll try to make something happen. By the way, uh, you, you said he's calling people. We have not heard from him. We we tried to call. It was it was busy. Do you, do you know who is he? Is he calling it? There, he doesn't really have anyone to call. Uh, 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 Nurse Saki Ratchet. So, do you know who he's calling? Uh, we're open. Uh, he's available. Uh-huh. Uh, he's been making calls this morning. Uh, he's open to having visitors. Right. He's open to going places. Okay. Uh, but we're going to make those decisions hour by hour. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. All right. We're going to go outside now. Yes. All right. Thank you. Thank you for that. Oof. Yes. She is not in a not in a good mood Let's today. Let's cut mm. through the BS. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. Uh, some other things for you on your radar today. I'd like to share with you. Senator Richard Blumenthal, one of the biggest idiots. Have I not said to you that he's one of the dumbest, if not the dumbest, United States senator on the mainland? What have I told you in the past? I've said to you that uh, when it comes to uh, idiots in the U.S. Senate, the two biggest idiots are Maisie Hirono and Richard Blumenthal. So Hirono's an idiot, but she's not technically on the mainland. She's on Hawaii. Uh, Her big question the other day to the generals was, will Hawaii be safe? She's worried about Godzilla, apparently. I don't blame her. I would be too, especially after Godzilla versus King Kong. On the mainland here is uh, Stolen Valor Richard Blumenthal, who is the biggest idiot on mainland U.S. soil. Now today, in front of the Facebook people that were there, as the Senate was asking questions about Facebook, this exchange happened today. Take a listen. Will you commit to ending Finsta? Senator, uh, again, let me explain. We don't actually, we don't actually do do Finsta. 
what FINSA refers to is young people setting up accounts where they want may want to have uh, more privacy. You refer to it as privacy from their parents. What, what in my interaction with teens, what I found is that they sometimes like to have a an account where they can interact just with their with a smaller group of of friends. Well, FINSA is one of your actually. FINSA is one of your products or services. We're not talking here about Google or Apple. It's Facebook, correct? FINSA is slang for, for a type of account. Okay, it's will not, you end that type of account? We, I, I'm not sure I under, understand exactly what you're asking. What I can say is that based on what we've seen in terms of, of teens using those kinds of accounts, we've actually given them additional privacy options to, to, address, to address those kinds of issues where they want more privacy so that they can have more privacy. Well, I don't think that's an answer to my question. <laughs> What a gigantic dope. You know that people are sitting there on the panel going, how did this idiot get to the U.S. Senate? And they want to put a kick me sign in his back. At that moment, I just, all I keep thinking is putting a giant dunce cap on his head. It's just to just to put, put a giant, you dumbass. She's telling you it's not a real thing. It's slang. The kids call it that. The kids have a slang term for it. So it's not something they can shut down because it doesn't exist. It's slang, like knocking boots. That's also slang. But I don't, uh, I don't, I don't think that's an answer to my question. No, you idiot. She did answer the question. What it doesn't exist. You how do you can't shut it down? It's slang, moron. It's slang. It's like uh, uh, I'll I'll uh, I'll see you on Insta. Well, can you still stop saying people? Stop telling people that they'll see you on Insta. No, 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 Senator. That's just a it's a slang. It's slang. That's all it is. Ugh. <laughs> You're not answering my question about Finster, which doesn't even exist. Uh, as part of the uh, We Hate uh, Israel movement that is uh, very prominent in the Democrat Party right now, we don't like uh, Jewish people, we hate the Jews, we hate Israel. Vice President Kamala Harris praised a student who told her Israel was guilty of ethnic genocide. The exchange with the college student came during a classroom visit to Northern Virginia's George Mason University. Identifying herself as part Yemeni, part Iranian. This is the exchange here. This is the vice president of the United States of America. And again, I have to ask the question, how do any Jewish people vote for Democrats? Why do you, how can you, how, how can you possibly knowing how much they hate Israel and they really just hate Jews in general? I mean, let's face it, anti-Semitism in this party is, it's it's never, I don't, I, I don't remember a time like this. I'm not Jewish, but I mean, I've talked to my Jewish friends. They've told me. My friend Judith Krupnik has told me this at Cherry Hovavo. She's told me how afraid she and, and her fellow Jews are with what's happening in the world, what's happening right now in this country. It's very scary. It's very scary. And this administration gives absolute tacit approval to anti-Semitism. There's no other way to say it. They give tacit approval to anti-Semitism. It used to be like a little bit of a nod. Now they're just full on out encouraging it. You had that whack job last week stand up on the floor of the house and accuse Israel of ethnic cleansing and 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 all the other crazy things she said about Israel because of the Iron Dome, which is a defensive, protective thing for Israel. But she's a whack job member of Congress. This is the vice president of the United States who's a who's a heartbeat and a brain cell away from becoming president. I see that over the summer there have been like protests and demonstrations in astronomical numbers standing with Palestine, but then just a few days ago there were funds allocated to continue backing Israel, which hurts my heart because it's an ethnic genocide and a displacement of people, the same that happened in America, and I'm sure you're aware of this. And I bring this up also because of the issue of how Americans are struggling because of lack of health care, public health care, lack of affordable housing, and all this money ends up going to um, in funding Israel and back in Saudi Arabia and whatnot, and I think that um, the people have spoken very often in what they do need, and I feel like there's a lack of listening, and I just feel like I need to bring this up because it affects my life and people I really care about's lives, and this is just something I have to bring up. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. And again, this is about the fact that your voice 
your perspective, your experience, your truth should not be suppressed. The student was referring to a vote in the House of Representatives last week to contribute a billion dollars towards repairing Israel's Iron Dome missile interceptors. The system was damaged in May as Hamas, a Palestinian terrorist group, lobbed more than 3,000 projectiles at Jerusalem and its surrounding areas. Lawmakers overwhelmingly passed the funding by a vote of 420 to 9. Eight Democrats and one Republican voted against it. And the Republican is Tom Massey, who's a libertarian, does not believe we should be uh, engage in this kind of funding. It's nothing against Israel. He just doesn't believe America should be doing this kind of uh, of foreign spending. That's he's very consistent about that. That's just something Tom Massey truly believes. And Tom Massey's great. Uh, he's a fantastic guy. He's a terrific guy. He doesn't hate Israel. He doesn't hate Jews. The other Democrats all did it because of their anti-Semitism. Let's just face it. Let's be honest. It wasn't because they wanted to save money. It wasn't because they felt like the United States should not be engaged in funding foreign countries for their defense for any reason or anything like that. So th- this is the, these are the reasons I, I bring all this up to you because you need to know what's happening here. And then you have all these other whack jobs in the House of Representatives today who've gone so all in on, 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 on abortion. I remember when Bill Clinton said in 1992, abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. Do you remember that? Now, now apparently it's a, it, abortion is a God-given right and your taxpayer dollars have to fund it. This is the other battle that nobody's really talking about right now. Is that Senator Joe Manchin, he wants the Hyde Amendment put back in to the, to Medicare. Hyde Amendment says you can't use federal funds for abortion. And, and it used to be that you, pro-choice people, pro-lifers, they would all agree. You don't use people's taxpayer dollars to pay for abortion. Even people that supported abortion rights would say that. But now we've gone so far now that we've got these crazy, crazy people saying crazy things SB8 like this. has not only caused a near total abortion ban in Texas, it has made it extremely dangerous to be pregnant in Texas, where our maternal morbidity and mortality rate is already unconscionably high, especially for black women and pregnant people of color. Texas deserves better. I know firsthand that abortion saves lives. For the thousands of people I've cared for, abortion is a blessing. Abortion is an act of love. Abortion is freedom. We need federal protection now. We need laws that elevate science and evidence and recognize the dignity and autonomy of people accessing care. The woman's health... It's just, it's, 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 it's sick. As a dad of uh, three children, two of whom came to us by the way of adoption, I, I just, to listen to that, just is, it's disgusting. It's absolutely sick. But now you know that if you deny abortion funding, it's because you're you're racist. You're you're racist. This is Representative Ayanna Presley, one of the lunatic members of the squad. Listen, there's nothing moderate about this. There's nothing reasonable about this. There, there's you can't have common ground with somebody who thinks like this. You want you 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 understand that, right? You can't reason with a whack job like this. 2021 has been the most devastating for abortion rights in American history. In the midst of an ongoing global pandemic that robbed us of more than 690,000 lives and disproportionately impacted our most vulnerable and black and brown communities, anti-abortion legislators in 47 states focused on legislating hurt and harm to push this critical health care out of reach. These misguided bans will not actually prevent all abortions. They simply put safe and necessary abortion care out of reach for our most vulnerable, specifically our lowest income sisters, our queer, trans, and non-binary siblings, black, Latinx, AAPI, immigrants, disabled, and indigenous folks. And none of this is happenstance. It is precise. Like the roots of the anti-abortion movement, these bans are rooted in patriarchy and white supremacy. They perpetuate cycles of poverty and economic inequality and exacerbate many of our starkest health disparities. Enough. SCOTUS had the chance to call SBA for what it is, a blatant violation of the constitutional rights of nearly 7 million Texans of reproductive age. But from voting rights to housing to reproductive rights, it is clear the Supreme Court is no longer... Let me just ask a question. How does... And and I mean mean this sincerely. How does keeping children of color alive translate to white supremacy what would it be the other way around like if i'm asking for a genocidal maniac who wants to perpetuate white supremacy or any supremacy wouldn't keeping children alive be the opposite goal of what that lunatic would want to 
perpetuate. Right? The, so if if the goal here is to is to see, this is why it's very difficult to have a logical conversation with these idiots. I, I honestly, I, I really, it's like you have to take your brain out of your head and put it in a jar. And then engage in the conversation. Because if you use your brain, there's you can't find a way to reason with a person like this. So let me understand this now. So 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 the Klan guy over there wants black people and Latinx people and AAPI people and immigrants and disabled and indigenous folks and non-binary people and uh, and and uh, other every other group to have babies. So the population can increase more and more and more because he wants to perpetuate white supremacy? Huh? Does... Okay, you see, this is what I mean. I, I, I would think clan guy would go, no, 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 let, let, him, let him kill him. Go ahead. I mean, it actually works better for our goal of keeping more white people around. Right? It, right? No. I mean, what am I? What am I missing here? Is what I'm trying to understand. What What am I missing in the in the logic here? This is another uh, doctor who testified today to this whack job panel on the House of Representatives. It's scary how how this country's going, isn't it? Isn't it scary how incredibly extreme all these people are, and nobody calls them out for the extremism? You got this. Uh, this phony guy, John Avalon, today was on CNN going talking about how the extremists have taken over the Republican Party. Dude, have you not heard what was being said on Capitol Hill today? Have you not heard this kind of lunacy from these people? Uh, the attempt to control this and sabotage a victim's reproductive care and control over themselves then becomes mass adopted by overwhelmingly, frankly, cisgender male legis state legislatures. Uh, how Do you see a connection between these abuse dynamics in person and how they inform uh, a culture in which they could be affirmed or in which these laws could potentially help or assist abusers in this dynamic? Yeah, so unfortunately, our country is actually founded on reproductive control and coercion of enslaved Africans and of indigenous people. So this is actually a historical tactic in our country and a method of upholding white supremacy. So that has not changed and continues today. Thank you very much, Dr. So now, if you want to save babies' lives, you are engaging in white supremacy. If that's your goal here as a pro-lifer, which I'm a pro-lifer, and I, again, two beautiful children came into our life via adoption, and I think their birth mothers are absolute saints, heroes. I remember, too, when uh, we adopted Patrick up in Connecticut, he was born in this hospital, and the adoption agency, Adoptions from the Heart, they're actually, they have an office in uh, Cherry Hill, if you're ever thinking about adoption, great, uh, wonderful organization. Claire, we adopted through a different agency in Utah called A Act of Love, also an outstanding agency as well. But I remember when we were leaving the hospital in Connecticut with Patrick, and we he, he was ours on uh, literally on day one. But we're leaving the hospital with him, and they finally let us leave. And we go to the adoption office to do paperwork and stuff. There's a lot of paperwork, especially in the early days of adoption. You have a lot of visits and it's, it's a very long process. It, it's a process that takes about a year from when you begin to when you can really begin the actual thing of adopting a baby. It's a, it's a lot of uh, government oversight, as you can imagine. And we went to the office in Connecticut and we did some things and everything. And then we get in the car and I look across, we're in this tiny office. Like a, it's a tiny office, one room, office the adoptions from the heart agency there we get in the car and i look across the street there is this gigantic planned parenthood facility gigantic i i'm, I'm telling you it's the size it's it must have been 10 floors beautiful big glass building the big planned parenthood logo was 20 20 feet high the letters huge building it may have even been bigger than that and i just remember that moment thinking about what adoption is up against you want to talk about special interests and lobbying. I mean, these ghouls at Planned Parenthood get federal funding here. And this little adoption agency is just trying to be the little engine that could. And you think about the struggle and how many parents are, are trying to adopt in this country, would love to be able to adopt a child, and what they're up against. They're up against this kind of lunacy here. 
you know, there, there's people that now lecture people who are looking to place a child in adoption because we never say they give up their child. We never say that. They don't give a child up. They place a child with a loving family. And there's people now that pressure them not to do that because they say to them, you're going to be perpetuating the child's guilt. You're going to be ruining his life. He's going to have all kinds of issues and psychological issues and abandonment issues. So just kill it. <laughs> I mean, I, and I thank God that, that uh, Patrick and Claire's birth moms made the decision that they made. I, I thank God for it every day. I wouldn't have my, my two beautiful children without it. Patrick's my best buddy. And I've made no secret about the fact that my children are of mixed race. I don't care about that. I'm just listening to these idiots, though, talk about why me wanting to save their life would have been considered white supremacy. My mixed race children. And I, I, I just, I, I, I can't even begin to understand the kind of soullessness these people could have. I really can't. When, I, when, when you finally leave the hospital with a child who came into your life by way of adoption, and you think to yourself how easy it would have been for this birth mother to just make a different choice, and you think about how lucky you got and how lucky your that your child got. And then you turn around, you hear these idiots say that you're perpetuating white supremacy by 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 pushing for life so that my mixed race children could have had a fair shot at life. I it just it's just very hard for me to hear. It really is. It's very hard for me to hear these idiots say this. And Margaret Sanger was a huge racist, the founder of Planned Parenthood. Everybody knows this. She she believed in the superiority of the white race. She advocated abortion as population control. But this idiot Democrat, Rokana, thinks, again, that's just spin to go back and actually highlight the, uh, the, the, the pro-eugenics, pro-supremacy visions, pro-population control visions of Margaret Sanger. It's sick. Representative uh, Fox suggested that uh, this absurd suggestion that Planned Parenthood was somehow uh, conceived to encourage uh, abortions uh, in the African-American community. Uh, I suggest uh, reading an eighth grade history book as, as a starter. First of all, uh, abortion wasn't even legal when Planned Parenthood uh, was founded in the 1930s, uh, uh, 1919. Originally, it was uh, founded uh, to encourage birth control by Margaret Sanger, and W.E.B. B. Du Bois, one of the great civil rights leaders, was an advisor uh, to Sanger. So, you know, it's fine to have ideological differences, but it is really sad that uh, people are saying things that are a misreading of American history. Frankly, pretty unpatriotic that you don't take the time to read American history uh, and are creating false impressions. And this is why I think, you know, I'm so such a believer in civic education, historic education, and it's, it's sad to me my colleagues uh, wouldn't just open up an eighth grade history book first uh, to get some basic facts. This is why parents need to have a say in their kids' education. <clears throat> and this is why they don't want us to. Because then they can decide what our kids learn. Margaret Sanger believed in something called the Negro Project. She wrote in her autobiography about speaking to a Ku Klux Klan group and advocated for a eugenics approach to breeding for the gradual suppression, elimination, and eventual extinction of defective stocks, those humans which threaten the blooming of the finest flowers of the American civilization. The, the, this is what she wrote, quote, the gradual suppression, elimination, and eventual extinction of defective stocks, those human weeds which threaten the blooming of the finest flowers of American civilization. In a 1939 letter to Dr. C.J. Gamble, Margaret Sanger urged him to get over his reluctance to hire a, quote, full-time Negro physician as the colored Negroes can get closer to their own members and more or less lay their cards on the table, which means their ignorance, superstitions, and doubt. Dr. Sanger urged Dr. Gamble to enlist the help of spiritual leaders to justify their deadly work, writing, quote, We do not want word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. And the minister is the man who can straighten out that idea if it ever occurs to any of their more rebellious members. <laughs> but somehow I'm the racist, I'm the white supremacist by wanting to keep kids alive. You understand this? You, you, you get this now? 
December 10th, 1939, Dr. C.J. Gamble, 255 Adams Street, Milton, Massachusetts. Dr. Gamble, it's good to know that you are recovering. I'm also stepping up and have felt much better this past week. Miss Delp was here for Thanksgiving, and I'm more than delighted to learn that she was able to get $250 from the California Birth Control Organization plus the $600 from the Federation. That's good. She's a go-getter and a live wire, very tactful and charming as well. I think that my pick of her has been justified, even though she's a little higher priced than the ordinary. She has been working on the article to be written by Miriam Day Ford. They were good enough to send me a rough draft for comments and suggestions. As to my standing suggestions to the Federation, I think it's really unfair for me to do so. I'm too far away to have the personal contact. Blah, blah, blah. There's only one thing I would like to be in touch with, and that is the Negro Project of the South, which if the execution of the details remain in Miss Rose's hands, my suggestions will not be uh, confusing because she knows what my mind works. The Negro Project. <laughs> uh, and it goes on and on and on. But I, I, I just, it, it, to me, to understand the history of this and what the Negro Project was, by the way, and the, the awful ideas that these people had, it's disgusting. And remember I said to you earlier today that Hitler was brought up today. And I always tell you, you know, nobody should ever bring up Hitler, but these whack jobs do it. They do it all the time. They, they think it's fine for them to do it. They don't mind doing it. It's whatever suits their needs. One of these idiots actually said today that, that one of the first things Hitler did was to ban abortion. So now you understand that if you are pro-life, you're actually engaging in a Hitlerian policy. It's just absolutely sick. It really is. It's it's sick and getting sicker, as the late uh, great Bob Grant used to say. But I don't want to end on a dour note. I want to end on a good note. So you know what I'm going to do today? I'm call up my uncle, and I'm going to take him out. I'm going to take the kids out. We're going to go fishing. He loves to fish. He, lo- he doesn't really fish. He watches us fish, but I love it. Let me just make a quick phone call, if you don't mind. I'm going to call up uh, his home. Speak to the head nurse. See if we can uh, we can we can work something out here. Just uh, bear with me one second here. Uh, we're open. Uh, he's available. Uh, he's been making calls this morning. Uh, he's open to having visitors. He's open to going places. Uh, but we're going to make those decisions hour by hour. All right, great. So yeah, let's get this happening. I'm excited. Kids, kids, you can go see Uncle Joe. Get gummy bears, uh, gummy fish. He likes the gummy fish. No, no, not anything crunchy. No, nothing crunchy. Soft only. Just get soft foods, guys. All right, very good. Love you. Great. All right, Uncle Joe, we're coming. We're coming. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. Truly appreciate it. Rate the podcast, will you? Please? Come on. Be nice.